Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today I'm excited we have a special guest in studio with Peter, and that is Karen Wasserman. Today we're going to be talking about planning for the final third. Now, Karen, uh, again, she's a special guest. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. She is the director of Your Elder Experts. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Peter, thank you for bringing Karen in. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say today. Yeah, I'm excited that Karen's here. I've known Karen for, I think, 30 years, and uh, she's just she's an expert in her field, and I think we'll add a lot to the, the discussion. Fantastic. Now, uh, obviously, she... Your elder expert says a whole lot, just the, the title of the company. Um, Karen is here to discuss that with you, but I want to know, what do you mean by final third? Yeah, this, this take me a, just a couple minutes to, to launch into this, but I think it's important. So from, from a planning perspective, I think the, of, of the first third of our, our life's journey as development and launch, you know, as we're growing up, we're becoming independent. Um, but the, in those, those, 20 years or 25 years, we're, we're pretty dependent on family. Uh, and as we launch into adulthood, young adulthood, we're just becoming more independent. So I think of that as the first third. The middle third is that independence and growth period where we are becoming individuals with or without our own families. We have careers, we save, we spend, we're experiencing life. Uh, it's it, it, what's well, really interesting to me is that we spend so much time and resources planning for the for the final third of our life or retirement in this middle stage in this in that second stage. So um, in this conversation, we'll be talking about that that final third. It's not necessarily from a financial perspective, although that'll have some uh, some uh, important points to to be made. Um, but really from the elder's perspective. So, so this final third is really hard to f- plan for because we, we just don't know how things will play out. We just can't see into the future. So let me first talk about what I see the, as the real problem. And it's a, it's a good problem in the sense that uh, we're all living longer. It's longevity. We just don't know how long we'll live and, and we don't know how our health will affect our lives and, and, and those that we love. Uh, so this, is, we've, this has got both emotional and financial consequences. I, I don't want to bore our listeners with statistics, but I think they speak to the actual problem. If you and your spouse are age 65 today, there's almost a 74% chance that one of you will, be, will, will live to age 85 and a 48% chance that one of you will live to age 90. And then a 20% chance that one of you will live to age 95. So that can be a long life. And then I I just want to share uh, three other important statistics, uh, one from the Department of Health and Human Services. One out of two Americans turning age 65 will need the coverage of a long-term care solution during their lifetime. 
the second statistic is that, that according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 20% of people age 65 and older will need long-term care for longer than five years. And then finally, according to the Alzheimer's Association, one out of three individuals over age 85 suffer from Alzheimer's. So we've got longevity that's a, that's a, that, that's a, that's the good news, but it's also a potential problem because it, it does uh, increase the likelihood that we're going to have long-term care issues in our later, later life. Peter, those are powerful and kind of scary statistics. Uh, and so I, obviously I see why Karen's here. Karen, can you give us a little bit of background on what your organization does? Thank you. Um, Your Elder Experts is a program. It's part of a human service agency. However, the program works as a nonprofit. We work with older adults and adult children or family members and caregivers who need guidance, who either need to understand what the resources are. Some people don't know exactly what's out there, what matches up with their needs. And people need to know what the resources are in their community. Most people don't even know what their options are. So Your Elder Experts does either a one-time consultation or ongoing management to help people be educated about what their options are and to be connected with them. For those people who don't have family members involved, we can be as active as a family member would be. We can step in for people who have caregivers who are out of state or are in state are busy going to their jobs and raising their families. So we have an opportunity to help people in the short term, short term, and also help people going forward. And we can be their point person for medical appointments. We can manage their home care services. And importantly, we help people make the transitions from one environment to the next as their needs change. Karen, I think it's so interesting that um, as we're doing financial planning for our our clients who often come to us uh, in their 40s, 50s, and and even 60s, is they're so focused on accumulating assets for retirement and and doing the right kind of planning and and, uh, really thinking ahead. it, and, and, and they want to they think about how they're going to spend their time in retirement. Um, but what I find is they spend very little time about these issues, these elder care issues that, that are, are likely to pl- take place. Uh, can you talk about when someone should start planning? You know, it's a hard question to answer. And people are always coming to me and asking the question, when? When should we move? When should we think about bringing care in? And the truth is that I feel like there are two types of people out there. There are the planners and there are the crisis managers. So there are people who really want to have all the information possible so they can really think about what they'd like in their life, what direction they'd want as their care needs increase. And then there are people who prefer to let things happen as they come. And What I always like to say is that it's not that one way is better than the other, because certainly people who plan may be confronted with something they didn't plan for and in the end need the support and guidance right from the crisis. However, for many people, it lowers their anxiety 
to have a plan in place to really understand what their finances are and what that will afford them going forward. I do think that there are more people who are middle-aged and older who are thinking about planning now because they see their older relatives running out of money, having limited options due to uh, their financial situation, and they would like to do things differently. Yeah, I think it's it, it's so interesting because um, we can plan. There's things that we can look out and, and say, okay, well, if this happens, um, this is how we'll manage it. But but there's it's just a blank piece of paper. We just we just don't know how it's going to unfold. Uh, what I what I see many of our clients dealing with are are their parents, and when do you think it's helpful to have to start this conversation uh, with parents or or even spouses? You know, I think most of us think about how to intervene in a situation which feels so touchy. The older generation, many of them don't like to talk about money. A lot of them um, don't like to talk about their health care and feel uncomfortable even making plans for themselves, let alone talking to their adult children. And family dynamics play into that a lot. There are some families that talk about money and talk about advanced planning and what they'd want later on when they have medical needs and they're in a crisis. And some people don't want to talk about it at all. You know, there's a book out there called, Can We Talk About Something More Pleasant? <laughs> by Roz Chaz, because in fact, um, many adults don't want to talk about it. Even in my own family, it was somewhat of a taboo conversation because every time I'd bring it up, my mother would say, can we talk about something more pleasant? So I think that um, adult children are, are sort of stuck in this bind. They want to know how to help their parents going forward. And sometimes parents are open to it. Other times they're not. And sometimes bringing in a professional helps because it's not their adult child telling them what to do or asking them personal questions that they're uncomfortable with. Sometimes it's easier to hear it from a professional. Yeah, I think um, if we think about uh, be, being all on the same team and the goal is to help whomever it is, parents, uh, a, a spouse, a, a sibling, deal with these issues, uh, the only thing you can do is keep the door open and, and keep the conversations open and, and hope that at some point uh, that will lead to, uh, lead, lead to solutions, whatever they might be. I think the conversation is always a good, an opening thing is to really talk about what kind of um, estate planning people have done. There are healthcare proxies and powers of attorney that if they're in place, and the conversation has been had about them and what people's desires are and what you know what people's goals are it is much easier to go forward to handle a crisis you know there are lots of people i've worked with who might have a power of attorney but haven't told the family member mm. who they've chosen either because they figured it didn't matter or because they didn't want the sibling of the person they chose to be uh, jealous or upset. So there are lots of barriers sometimes to, to smooth communication. But I think the way to go is to bring things up before there's a crisis. I think things have to happen more naturally. The conversations have to happen with 
maybe one parent at a time or with the sibling in the family, the adult child who has more of a smooth relationship with their parents. Sometimes the conversations need to be brought up many times. It's helpful to suggest that they talk with their physicians about these questions. There are all sorts of advanced directives that they might need more you know, medical education about how to decide what they want going forward. And there are lots of forms out there and also lots of programs to help people have these conversations. So those are worth researching and um, finding the, the one that feels most comfortable to you. Could, could you give a couple of examples? Well, you know, there, there are living wills that some attorneys like to write down details of people's uh, advanced plans and in each situation what they'd want to have happen. There are organizations that actually um, create the dialogue. And of course, right this moment, I'm not thinking of the names of them. Um, but if you put it in advanced directive conversations uh, and Google that, you will come up with tons of options um, for these conversations, which are uncomfortable, but really well worth having. I think there's a website called, if I mention it, I think you'll remember or know it's called The Conversation. The Conversation Project. That's right. The yes. Conversation Project. You got it. And uh, I've seen that and that's that's a, a really a good starting place. I, I think um, th that all, all you can do a, a, as an interested party is uh, open these conversations with uh, and have love in your heart and respect uh, and, and, and empathy to, uh, with the person that you're talking with and uh, just keep on going. You know, I, I can't agree more about the, the empathy and coming from a place of um, a loving heart because even when um, there's been conflict in a family, when an adult child tries really hard to have this conversation from a loving place, I think parents tend to respond in a much more positive way. Yeah. So uh, another uh, decision point for, for, for many of our uh, elderly family members is uh, the issue of, of, of when to move. When, when is the house they've been living in for 40 and 50 years uh, just not uh, the, the place that they should be in um, or they want to be in or isn't safe. So the question is, when do people move? You know, everyone wants to move at a different time. My standard answer to that question is always, before you think you should move. <laughs> because the truth, truth is, it's really hard to move in a crisis. And inevitably, there'll be some kind of a medical issue or some deterioration in one's ability to be independent that will trigger the move. But it is so much better to move before that happens so that you're already integrated into a community, wherever that is, and whatever your needs might be, and whatever your financial resources are, to be in that community when the crisis happens. So you're around people who can be supportive, people who you have uh, connections and relationships to. It makes a huge difference to be in that environment during a crisis versus being at home and somewhat isolated. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real tough call. Uh, but it's it's part of the conversation. Uh, it, it, it needs to happen before before there's a crisis. The other thing is that 
people um, have different goals. For some people, staying in their home is the most important thing. And I would say that's a little bit more in vogue right now. And for people who have the resources, you can stay at home as long as you want and as long as you can afford to bring in the care that you need. So as your needs increase, it might be bringing in a home health aide or a personal care attendant, or it could be having people come in to clean and to uh, take care of all the household issues. It could be having a, a financial uh, person come in to pay bills for you. Some, for some people, it's making the house uh, safer. So having a, a home safety evaluation where bars are put in for support in the bathroom, where um, rugs are picked up that can be tripping issues, um, where people put uh, stair lifts on their staircases or ramps outside their front door. There are lots of things that can make staying at home uh, possible. For some people, staying at home is too isolating. There are people who thrive in community and don't thrive at home independently and isolated. So for everyone, it depends on their finances and sort of like who they are and what makes them feel comfortable and um, content. So that, that brings up another question is, is uh, there's a decision that, that uh, people are, are confronting, which is maybe we should move. Uh, but where do, where, what are your options? Where do you move to? Well, again, there's sort of um, multiple tiers, which depend on people's finances as well as their care needs. So for people who are able to afford a continuing care retirement community that has many levels of care, um, and are for people who are independent, who plan to move in while they're still relatively healthy and be able to engage in a, what a community like that offers, tons of programming, transportation, um, lots of activities and groups for them to belong to. And then they know that once they're there, their needs will mostly be met by the community, whether it's to move into assisted living or need for a, um, a skilled nursing facility. Each community is different and they each set their, it's sort of like a business. So each person sets up their contracts different. Each community offers things in a different way. So they're, like I think of it as communities have personalities and it's important to work with someone who knows those personalities or to go and tour. And when you come upon one that you think is a good fit, go back several times, talk to people who live there. But beyond being able to afford um, a continuing care retirement community, and some people might be able to afford it, but don't want to invest in the way that it, um, it asks you. So um, if you were to ask me, what, do, what does that mean to afford a continuing care retirement community? It could be buying into a community at um, $300,000, or it could be buying into a community at over a million dollars. And the community then looks at your finances and decides if you can afford living there or not. Um, but there are also retirement communities that are just rentals. So you might find a community that might not have many levels of care, but for you, you want to live in community. You don't want to invest a lot of money, but you can afford to pay the rent, which could be anywhere from five to $11,000 a month. But it allows you to then um, live in that home for as long as you want. 
because those communities, you can also hire people to come in and care for you as your needs increase. Yeah. I mean, when, when we're counseling our, our clients about these, these issues, uh, what, what I find is that the cost of home ownership in the, the metropolitan Boston area is so very significant. Uh, maintenance, uh, taxes, insurance, utilities, you just you add it all up. And then you think about the extra cost of, of moving into these kinds of communities. And it's, it's probably more to be in the communities, but it's not that dramatic. It, it, for many of our clients, it's very affordable. And uh, it gives them, uh, boy, I, f- I find that a lot of them really like where, they're, where they've moved to because it does give them, uh, gives them lots of freedom. They can still uh, get about. They've got lots of activities. There's lots of people. It's, it's almost, you know, for some people, like my dad is an example. It's more like camp. You know, it's, he's, he's having a good time. <laughs> you know, I think for many people who want to live in community, who want to act activities, who want to feel that sort of camp experience, or they feel comfortable being able to eat meals together, but not necessarily go to every activity. I think it really is, for some people, being in your home is the most important thing. And for others, community and not being isolated. As we age, as we become more isolated, it brings on depression and anxiety. And what I find more often is that people decline quicker when that happens versus living a community where there is more support, more socialization, less isolation, less depression. I I think it's also important that for some people, they think to move is too overwhelming. Like I look at their faces in a consultation and I think they, they feel like they can't do it. The thing is that when they moved before, they probably organized it themselves, but this time they don't have to. They can hire someone. There's a whole profession of downsizers and moving managers out there who help people make this doable. They're going to do whatever it is that the person moving or their family can't do or doesn't have time to do or, or isn't educated enough to know what to do with the stuff. And the move managers do everything from hiring the movers, packing things up, going through the home and deciding with the person living there, is this being donated? Is this going to their adult child or grandchild? Is this something that needs to be thrown out? And then the move manager makes it happen. Really, every detail is taken care of to the point where they, the person who's hiring them wants them to. And, and then they can even set it up at the other end. It does not have to be overwhelming if you're willing to share it. Yeah, I think um, so. So many of our, our, our the people that we're talking to have been do-it-yourselfers for so many years, and it's really hard to accept uh, support. But at, at certain points in life, uh, we, we all need help, and these these services are available, and it's well worth it. I think. I think that you you hit upon a really important point. I remember meeting with a couple in there very large home that they've lived in for about 55 years. And um, the gentleman took out his list. He called it his army, just as you said. It takes so much to keep a household going. There was everything from the gardener 
to the fix-it guy, to the plumber, to the electrician, to the person who was going to fix their roof. There was truly, I'm, there must have been 30 people in his army, and it was a lot to manage, and he was done managing it. He had uh, some chronic illnesses. His, his wife was not um, someone who actually had managed all these people before, and it was time to move and give up. It's amazing what happens when people realize it themselves that it's time to move. It's this weight off their shoulders. Yeah. And yes, it is really hard to admit that you need help. But for those who are willing to admit it, it's a much smoother path. And for those who can't see it, they actually still feel the relief when they move. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about, um, you, you know, kind of how, how this whole process unfolds. Um, how does your organization, how do you and your organization uh, help people? How do you give advice? Uh, how are you structured? How, how do people reach out to you and, and, and begin working with, with, with your organization? Um, people call our agency for all sorts of um, questions around resources. And then we have a chance to um, explain to them what an aging life care manager actually is and how we can be helpful. Um, it is a, a private pay program. There are other group practices in the greater Boston area and all over the country. And people hire us to do whatever piece of the job they, they want help with. I work with people who come in for office consultations. It could be an adult child who is right in the middle of a crisis. We often get the question, my parent fell, they're in the hospital, I was just given a list of 100 skilled nursing facilities for short-term rehab. How do I know which ones are good? How do I know what decision to make? And how do I know whether my parent can go home after the short-term rehab? We can suggest short-term rehabs. We can talk about the goals that need to be met in order to go home or what would need to happen in the home to make it a safe environment to go back. And for people who want to go down the road with us, we'll help them figure out when rehab says we're done, whether you're actually able to go back home and whether or not you're going to move it into some sort of an assisted living community or a retirement home that has uh, the kind of support that would be needed. So really, um, for the consultation, it's often the adult children coming in. Many times it's adult children who have been trying for years to help their parents accept help. And truly, what I used to say to people is, you should put on your crash helmet because it's going to hurt when you bang your head against the wall. Because there are lots of people who just don't want to see that life might be easier if they accepted help. They want to do it their own way. And as long as people are competent, they're allowed to make bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. and, and for many people, they spent their life making decisions that maybe you or I would not be comfortable with, but that's their life and they get to make it. And sometimes adult children need to be, they need to hear that. Yeah. But also people come in who want us to help support them through a transition. It's uh, a spouse who can no longer care for their husband or wife in the home. 
they realize that their own health is deteriorating because it's just so immense being a caregiver, the amount of energy and physical care that has to be put out. So we, we help them figure out where to go. We help them tour places. For many people, they don't have anybody local to go visit a nursing home or an assisted living. It's very helpful to go with someone and then to talk about it afterwards. For many people, it's hard to just walk into a nursing home. We can help support the process and be there for them when they can talk about what it was like for them. So it's it's private pay and uh, are, are people in your industry just uh, charging by the hour? How does that work? So we do charge by the hour, but in 10 minute increments. So if we have conversations with people, follow-up conversations or continuing management conversations or emails or text messages. We bill for our time, like many professionals do. Um, we bill people monthly. We also, because we work in a human service agency, have grant money to provide something which many group practices don't, and that's to support people who are extremely low income, who would never have this kind of care this hands-on care, this very in-depth support to make transitions in their lives. When someone calls, uh, are they connected to uh, a specific elder care expert? Uh, how, does that, how does that work? So we have um, an intake coordinator who has the opportunity to explain what your elder experts is and does and how it works and what the fees are and um, the person gets to talk a little bit about what their situation is, and the intake coordinator can really um, assure the person that either we're the right place for them, and this is why, or say, you know, I think that y you might um, get what you're needing in another way, and if it doesn't work, please come back to us. Then the intake coordinator and I have a conversation about the situation, and if they want to proceed and work with us, um, I think about who would be a good match in our team. We have the benefit of a large group. So when there are people who have certain issues, we have someone who that might be their area of expertise. I try to make a good match. And the beauty of working in a group is that you not only get the benefits of that one match, but we're talking to each other all the time. We're sharing information. We're running scenarios by our colleagues. We're meeting regularly. And we're texting and emailing each other all the time to make sure that we're providing people with the best care possible. We have coverage for each other when there's a vacation or a sick day. It is somewhat of a seamless group practice, which really offers people um, the opportunity to know that there's always someone there to help them. Karen, Karen, the, the these services and, and your expertise are just so important for, for the families that face uh, the many challenges of, of, of aging. My mother-in-law told me a long time ago that uh, aging isn't for sissies. Uh, they're, they're just professionals like you and, and your organization uh, can really make such a huge difference. So uh, thank you for, for everything you do. Uh, it, it just uh, how do they get in touch with you and your organization? How might they research and find others? Can you give a sense of, of how they would how would they do that? Yeah, I belong to a national org organization called 
um, Aging Life Care Association, and they have a really wonderful website. Um, there's also the New England Aging Life Care Association, where you can go online and see who is in your neighborhood, who, and you see a little bit about their credentials. You can see how long people have been doing the work that they've been doing. And um, oftentimes people call us looking for someone who's not for someone who's not local. So it could be someone in another state. And the beauty of being part of this association is that I know many of the providers in other states that I'm able to make the connection with someone I know or know of. Um, but you can call us at 781-693-5052. You can also look us up on the web, learn more about our practice, and send us, send us an email at your elderexperts.com. Well, thank you so much, Karen. This has been really interesting and helpful and I think just vital information for so many of us. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate it. Peter and Karen, this was a great podcast. What a, uh, it's a great topic. I mean, we know the statistics of how many people are retiring every day and, and uh, this is going to be more and more needed as these years uh, go on and as people live longer, like you said, Peter, at the very beginning. So again, thank you. It was a wonderful podcast. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this is a great one to share. You probably know somebody who needs to hear this information and needs to get in touch with Karen and her group. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.